0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really?
1: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void way prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, buddy? And welcome back to a Friday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by BetMGM. I'm your host, Josh Harris. Joining me as always is on my right, your left, our left, your right. I don't know. It's Friday. I think, I think
2: it's your left, too, looking at it. I mean, on my, on my right. screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a rip-roaring. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're on the ball today, bud. <laughs> How you doing today? Uh, not too bad, man. Um still pretty nice outside so I'll never complain about uh about having some nice weather um yeah pretty pretty good slate we have here tonight um I talked about it briefly my uh picks article uh free to read up at stochastic.com just head on over to the NHL section only four games tonight but there is a lot of firepower on this slate right you have You have Sidney Crosby, you have Evgeny Malkin, you have Matthews, and Tavares, and Stamkos, and Kucherov, and um, Alex Ovechkin, and you got, um, you know, Dallas at home, the Dallas top line, arguably the best line in the league so far this season, Uh, and then you have the Minnesota Wild uh, going into Seattle, which should be a pretty fun game to watch and break down, so Only four games, but uh, definitely lots of good spots uh, or at least good players here tonight. Maybe not necessarily good spots, but uh, yeah, pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, lots of big boys on the slate. Um, If you're a single entry player like I am, there's going to be a lot of tough fades. There's some interesting, like obviously when we get into it, like there's some pretty high owned spots. There's some fairly surprisingly low owned spots here that we will definitely discuss but yeah i actually really like this four game slate which means you know generally when i like things a lot it goes terribly wrong last night also kind of went wrong i mean i had a lot of right i just bubbled how'd you do last night
2: yeah um didn't cash i was cashing pretty well until that second period of the abs game and then the chalk just absolutely went nuts um had a pretty decent lineup at the Carolina uh, power play guys. So Svech, Zakoff, Nature, Sanajo, Svech, obviously with the hat trick, which was nice. Um, pieces of the Rangers third line, they weren't great, but they put up, you know, 24 plus points for, you know, 6,700 or whatever the combined cost was. So pretty good. Um, <laughs> what really blew it for me was my one off. Um, I had Johnny Godrow in there. And he had a three-point night um, about, oh, an hour before lock or something like that. I have switched it to Jesper Bratt because Brat was my hat-trick pick on the show yesterday. So uh, just, uh, you know, I would say a little bit of life advice. Uh, don't uh, panic swap or late swap if you don't really feel like you need to. <laughs> but, um, just, as you always say, um, pretty eloquently, um, go with uh, what your first Reaction or instinct was with your lineup. Don't keep tinkering. Um, That cost me last night. So I'm I'm not mad about it. It is kind of frustrating when your two stacks, um, their teams combined for 15 goals because the Rangers won 8 2, Carolina won 7 2 last night, and you still don't cash. That feels kind of bad, but uh, I'm not going to complain. I I feel like it was pretty good process, just didn't get there. And that's what happens when you play one lineup.
1: Yeah. I made a bad swap as well. I was. I had, I had a full Colorado power play stack, like all five of them. Miko Rantanen outscored Svechnikov, despite Svechnikov having a hat trick because Miko Rantanen hit the shots bonus, the points bonus, arbitrary bonuses, I guess. But um, yeah. I was deciding for because if you have full power play stack, you have to go 5 2 1 or 5 1 1 1. I was deciding between the Rangers third line and or parts of the Kings instead of going heat a lot from here, I ended up going Victor Arvidson and Arthur Kaliev, which seemed like a good idea at the time, but it was, ended up being a bad swap, but I, I saw we got uh, tagged on Twitter. He's in the chat actually under Kyle B 23. He won a hundred person contest last night. Excellent lineup. Congrats to you. That was nice to see. I was like waking up to other people winning. If it's not me, myself selfishly, I want it to be me, myself or, you know, but if it's not, if you guys win, makes me happy, gives me some hopium for the rest of the day. So I don't have to start chugging banks. And uh, congrats to you.
2: Yeah, I mean a tough break. Anybody using players from that Chicago Kings game. Um, you know, sometimes Peter Mrazek and Jonathan Quick just combine for a 9.55 save percentage. Thing.
1: Back to back clunkers from the oh, not like clunker. They're good hockey games. It's just like very low scoring games.
2: Yeah, one nothing and two one. I think in their yeah. last two games. So, um, I guess we're back to the 2013 LA Kings now.
1: Yeah, just on um, yeah. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking you. Hit us with a like and subscribe to make sure to keep up with all of our DFS shows offers giveaways all that fancy jazz once you hit subscribe hit that notification buttons to get alerts when our shows go live we have a lot of them every day um don't forget almost all of our content is available in podcast form except for live for locks on the platform of your choice help us out by leaving a five-star review about my big head that's how i know it'll be you <laughs> it is really big and i i it's it's the one thing if you want to make fun of me for it, don't make fun of my smile. Make fun of my giant melon. I mean, Four-game slate, sure. lots of firepower. Let's get into it. First game of the night, we have the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 3.0 total heading into Toronto. The Leafs have a 3.5 total. Going to be Casey DeSmith against Eric Calgren. bit surprising they're going back to Casey Smith. Maybe not. Like Tristan, he already struggled a little bit uh, at the start of the season. Very heavy ownership on Toronto one here. And I will say they are very good offensively, even with Kerfoot there, but defensively they're not elite like they were with, you know, bunting or Nylander up there. You know, Kerfoot tends to drag them down defensively. They're not like bad by any stretch giving up what, like 2.75 expected goals again, something like that. It's a smaller sample, but that does bring Pittsburgh one into play for me a little bit here. They're coming in right at around double digits. I like both top lines in this game, which one do you prefer? Uh yeah. Um you're
2: right about Alex Kerfoot. Um he's somebody that anybody that watched the shows last year knows we just railed against him pretty much every time the Leafs were on the slate because of how uh the Toronto second line would perform with him there and like you just have to go and look at the numbers whether you're talking expected goals or actual goals like he or, you know, especially the expected goals, he just drags down the bottom six. Um, There are a lack of options there. Like, I will say that um, about um, the Toronto forwards. It's like, if you take Kerfoot out, I mean, I would leave Michael Bunting there, but it was a rough start to the season for him and for that line. So, like, I get why they changed it up. But, you know, if you're not using Kerfoot or, you know, if you're not using Bunting, um, other than Kerfoot, who do you put there? Like, Callie Yarncroft, David Camp, Pierre Engvall, like they're just like, I think Engvall might actually be the best option, but there's no way they can do that. They need him um, in the bottom six to have any semblance of depth. So it is what it is. We kind of have to live with Kerfoot on the top line. You're right. He doesn't really help them um, in any manner. Like, because (laughs) we, I mean, it's true. (laughs) Like, I'm not just saying that the reason for that. Is when you have when you're playing with two super elite players, offensive players like Matthews and Marner, you have to be able to play with them at both ends of the ice. Like you have to be the one that gets them the puck in the defensive zone, and you have to be able to kind of read their play, know where they're going to go after they pass a puck, know where they're going to be if you have the puck, and so on and so forth. Foot is just not that player. Um, Like we said, like I said a minute ago, it, it was a problem with the second line last year. I don't see why it wouldn't be a problem with the top line this year. And it has been um, in a small sample. We're talking only about 55 minutes, but three expected goals uh, per 60 minutes for that Toronto top line, like for 90% of the lines in that league, that'd be pretty good for that Toronto top line. That's pretty bad. Um, Again, it's just a small sample it's 55 minutes, but it's repeating what we saw with the Leafs and the second line with Kerfoot there last year. So like, I don't have a problem in and of itself using the Toronto top line, right? Like um, what I mentioned in the power play article, and we'll talk about the second line in a second um, is the Pittsburgh penalty kill. The Pittsburgh penalty kill just has not been very good this year. 27th by shots allowed per 60 minutes uh, when they're down a man and 23rd by goals against. Um, They've given up 11 power play goals against in 13 games. Last year, they only gave up 33 the entire season. So they're going to be on pace to break that by, like, game 50. Um, this penalty kill has seen, at, at least so far in the early portions of the season, has seen a significant decline from how good they were last year. So that's why I don't really mind the Toronto top line, even though, you know, going up against Crosby isn't, you know, a particularly appealing matchup. Um it's that this is a pretty good power play spot for the lease. So where Marner's price
1: has just been nuked to oblivion. A guys, mispriced tonight. All yeah, he's
2: me. he's fifty five hundred on
1: DraftKings. But the thing is, like, yeah,
2: okay, with the way he's performed, maybe he's worth a little bit more than that. But you know, DK points per game, he's been less valuable than uh, William Nylander this year, right? So eventually you know, we're a full month into the season. Eventually you got to start pricing the guys for what they've done this year, not just what they've done historically. So I kind of get Marner 5,500, especially um, where he's not shooting at all. Um, Especially on the power play. He has three power play attempts, shot attempts in his last five games. (laughs) He's just not shooting. Um, And I don't know if Alex Kerfoot on the top line is going to help, but again, because it's such a good power play spot, I, think you can, you're perfectly fine to go with Toronto one here. And um, you know, they're not coming in with terribly good leverage. And the reason for that is because of the pricing. Um, If Marner was 7,500 instead of 5,500, I think this line's about 15% instead of, you know, nearly 30%, which is our DK projection right now. So again, I don't have a problem with the Toronto top line. I would probably make it some sort of power play stack like Matthews and Marner with Tavares um Marner and Tavares and Nylander, um something like that and you know to the point about Austin Matthews like it feels like he hasn't broken out yet this season um but he has four goals and seven points uh in his last five games um that's you know for almost any player in the league that would be excellent we're still waiting for him to to you know really put his foot his foot on the throat of the opponents um but it seems like he's just right there. Like they just need um, a little bit of luck to go their way. He's still only shooting 4.4% at five on five. Like that could triple by the end of the season um, or between here and the end of the season. Um, So again, I do like a Toronto, I don't mind Toronto one here, but it would probably, I probably tend to some sort of power play stack. I think you're right about Pittsburgh one here though. Against old Crosby and Rust, um, our early ownership on DraftKings has them coming in at around 10%, um, a little bit higher on FanDuel, but not that much higher, um, about 12%. And um, I wrote up Ricard Raquel in the same power in the same picks article on Stochastic.com, uh, and I'll get to that second line stack in a second. But the top line with Gensel and Russ there um, has been excellent so far this year. 65 minutes together, or expected goals four per 60 minutes, 5.4. Actual goals per uh, 60 minutes. Um, Jake Gensel still shooting quite a bit. Um, you know, he is a boost to their power play as well. Um, he had missed some time. Um, that power play just scores more when he's on the ice than when they don't. Um, you know, he can go back years uh, with that data. So it does help um, that he's back in the lineup. So, I will say, like, I'm perfectly fine going with that Pittsburgh top line. It's so a Pittsburgh second line that's kind of interesting to me more than anything here. Their ownership's coming in just fine, 6 to 7%. Um, and it's, like I, I mentioned, it's Ricard Raquel that I, I brought up in the picks article. And the reason for that is the Toronto second line with Nick Robertson, their defensive numbers have uh, mm-hmm. taken a dive. And it's not that Robertson's a bad player it's just that he's an offensive player and he's a rookie um still kind of just getting used to uh the NHL but 45 minutes together 4.0 expected goals against 2.7 actual goals against um that's a pretty big problem uh for Toronto and that and that line like they've had some defensive issues going back to last year um like we talked about at the top of the show so I kind of like that Pittsburgh second line. And I think you can do some sort of uh, Josh stack here, not Josh stack, a Jill stack here where you use uh, two broken lines. So, um, you know, Malkin, Raquel plus Crosby, uh, Malkin, Raquel plus uh, Gensel, something like that. Um, Those top guys, uh, you know, you and I were talking about it this morning um, in a a DM about empty net goals. Um, If you look at empty net goals over the last few years, near the top of the list, you see all the top Pittsburgh guys. It's Gensel, it's Rust, it's Crosby, it's those guys. So, you know, they can, if they're up 4-2 at the end of the game, they can, you know, definitely add to their total. Those are the guys that do it. So I do like Pittsburgh too here, like in a nutshell, um, considering their price, considering their matchup by all means go to pittsburgh one um they have looked excellent this year i don't think it's really a brutal matchup going into toronto one right now uh with kerfoot there um but it's probably pittsburgh two that i kind of like you know in a, you know just in a nutshell considering price considering ownership and all that um but again toronto i think toronto power play would probably be the way to go if i were to stack anything on the lease side
1: yeah i do like that pittsburgh two call i was actually looking at Toronto's two numbers with Robertson there, and I'm glad you mentioned them because they are they are bad. Uh, also, Eric Calgren and Net, like maybe he's fine, but maybe he's not. And you know, I think MME, you got to get both sides of this game. I do agree. Um, push comes to shove, you have to put one team in your lineup. It's going to be Toronto for me. That Pittsburgh penalty kill is what's really, uh, really, really drawing me to the to the Leafs here. So. Either side, I think, is fine. I think Pit One's a nice contrarian option. There's another road contrarian option that we'll get to soon, but I think both sides of this game are in play. Despite me always liking both sides of the game on the blue lines. I mean, Morgan Riley's price has come under 5K. He just like he's priced maybe even too high <laughs> for what he's been doing so far. He's kind of like you know the the Marner factor. Like he's priced appropriate as well. Like if Marner starts shooting, that's the problem. That's the beef I had with him last year. He just wasn't shooting in the beginning of the season. Once he started shooting, he started scoring goals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sam Morgan Riley needs to start shooting on the power play. Um, I think that'll come around. Tim- Timothy Ril- Lilligren, his line mate at 3300, is fine. Like, I guess Latang's fine. Is he though? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like Latang <laughs> and Riley are kind of like six of one, half a dozen of the other. That's yeah. Sure. I don't know.
2: They're yeah, on play. <laughs> I, I know. Like, I like. I did write up Morgan Riley in that picks article, and a lot of it's just driven by his price drop, right? Yeah. Um, there were times last year you would see him in the mid sixes on DraftKings, and he's all the way down to forty eight hundred right now. I think he's cheaper than Jared Spurgeon, who's thought on the Minnesota power play. Like um, Morgan Riley's just not shooting. Um, he's just not shooting the puck. Um, I think he's at 1.6 shots per game so far this year, which is his lowest since his rookie season. Um, it is something we mentioned on the show yesterday. I, you know, I was Angelo scored, so he kind of made me look like an idiot, but um, Vegas's defensemen started shooting less this year than they have in recent seasons under their new coach, and that was something Toronto started a couple of years ago with their defensemen shooting less. It's just really coming to a head with Morgan Riley now. Like... Um, He's really no different to me than, than Quinn Hughes. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of a shame because he was like a pretty good, you know, multi-category defenseman at one point. But, you know, at 4,800, again, where we do like this power play spot for Toronto, I think Morgan Riley does make a ton of sense. Um, yeah, I don't mind Lilligren either. I'm mad I missed um, his, his uh, big game uh, in their last game out. He scored uh, two goals. Um, against uh, Vegas, which kind of sucks because I think I recommended him the game be- before that in Carolina or was it Boston? But anyways, I missed his two-goal game. Kind of sucks. He's not he's getting made, a ton of minutes just yet. Yeah, he's not getting a ton of minutes just yet, but he was always, he was up to 1840 in their last game. So uh, maybe he's just going to play his way up to 20, 21 minutes a game, which would be nice to see. Um, I'm always a fan of Jeff Petrie as kind of like, um, you know, avoiding the Chris Letang ownership. Um, I think his price is just fine, but, uh, they're, you know, I, like I said, Riley makes a ton of sense. I don't know if I would roster Latang. Um, he's not shooting either. I mean, he's a little bit more expensive. So I, like, I, I agree. I think Timothy Lilligren, uh, probably makes the most sense. Jeff Petrie as well. Uh, Morgan Riley for your Toronto PP stacks.
1: Yeah. Any, Oh, Casey DeSmith, Smith, 6,900. He is tied for the cheapest goal of the night. With James Reimer, no min price goalies tonight, unfortunately. But any interest in these goalies?
2: Uh, I don't know. Taking this just seen <laughs> taking uh, one of those goalies uh, on the road against Toronto. L- like if I'm if I were to be playing twenty lineups, I would probably have the Smith in there somewhere, uh, maybe in one or two lineups. In a single entry, I, I, I honestly think I'd rather just take the other side and just stack against them. Um, I just don't think he's a very good goalie
1: yeah i dropped a name into discord today that is just forbidden for me which we'll get to later that's how highly i think of goalies tonight but yeah i'm not too i, I think like honestly because the, the sharks have a good penalty kill i'd rather take a stab on rhymer than to smith but neither really Exciting me. I, I, you can put in Calgren for you know with your leaf stacks. I think it's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Calgren's very good either. Like he wasn't good. Um, he doesn't have good AHL numbers. Hasn't been good in a small sample in the NHL. Maybe it could be he's just not good. I mean, <laughs> that's why he's their third stringer. But um, you know, goalie goalie stuffs goalie weird goalie stuff happens all the time. You saw that with Felix Sandstrom earlier this week.
1: Yeah, and two min price goalies winning last night. So there's that too. But do you want a $1,000 risk-free bet? Do you want two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Then we got a deal for you. All you got to do is follow these steps and you can get both. It's no strings attached. Literally no strings attached. There's no Geppetto above it, you know, playing you like Pinocchio. All right. What I say is what's going to happen and then you'll get everything. You create a free Stochastic membership using the form below. It's in the description or log in if you already have a stochastic.com account. After you log in, you click the large BetMGM button that appears. Looks like the Lannister flag if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Um, then complete the necessary steps with BetMGM. Create a BetMGM sports account. It's like creating an account anywhere. It takes two minutes, it's easy. Deposit at least $10, depending on you know what you, the risk-free bet you want to place. If you want $100, you bet the $100 if you lose. You get the $100 back in free bets. Make your first paid bet. That's pretty easy. If you're going to bet, it's usually paid. After your bet settles, you qualify for the Stochastic subscription. After all that happens, you'll get an email with instructions for redeeming your two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Literally, no strings attached. I will say the two free months is going to drop down to a month at some point, so there is no better time than now. Let's get into the next game of the night. We have the Tampa Bay Lightning with a 3.2 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 2.8. Probably Andre Vasilevsky, Darcy Kemper is confirmed. News for the Caps, John Carlson is back. That's good news for them. That will push Eric Gustafson down to the second power play unit. Not good for him, but that's all right. News on the Tampa side is now that top line is fully correlated on the top power play. So Vladislav Nemestikov and Victor Hedman off the top unit, Brandon Hagel, Mikhail Sergachev on. First thing I noticed in this game was Tampa's ownership. Seems pretty low. Maybe it comes up in the next run, but it is less than Pittsburgh one here. They've been rolling. They got a Capitals team who have struggled on the penalty kill. Haven't been great defensively. Kemper struggled. I don't know. Tampa's in play for me. Never know what to do with the Caps. Luckily, on this short slate, it's not a decision where, oh, you got to play your fade Ovechkin. There's a lot of big boys on the slate. So what are you doing in this game?
2: Yeah, uh, pretty interesting to have a full uh, Tampa one um, on the power play coming in at 6% by our top stacks. I agree with you. I think that probably comes up a bit. Um, through the day they aren't cheap I mean that we do have to keep our you know keep be mindful of that they are over 20k um, on DraftKings the second most expensive line of the night more expensive than Minnesota Dallas or Toronto so like I kind of get why the ownership might not be that high um, when you have three pretty good top lines all cheaper than them um, two of them being at home so like I don't think they come in at 6%, but if they come in at like 10%, I think that probably sounds about right to me. So um, it is interesting to get Hagel up there. I mean, Nemestikov wasn't doing anything. That was actually one of my notes in in my prep notes was, I think his shot attempts per 60 on the power play was like six. (laughs) And (laughs) per 60 minutes, like that'd be low for a defenseman at five on five, let alone for a forward uh, on the power play. Um. Washington has been kind of changing the way that um, they send out their forward lines, which kind of changes the way I look at this game a little bit. Like they had been sending out uh, the Kuznetsov Ovechkin line uh, for a good chunk of the season against the opposing second line. They, according to our line matching buddy at line matching on Twitter, um, they've moved them down to third line matchups, um, which changes obviously, uh, who the Tampa first and second lines are going to face. So I was kind of hoping Steven Stamkos and Nick Paul would see a fair bit of that Kuznetsov line because Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, and Cheery, like they've been fine defensively, about 2.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes this year, in about 60 minutes together. But historically, Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, not really that good defensively. And I was hoping to get Stamkos in that matchup, but it doesn't look like um, they're going to go in that direction. It looks like um, Washington's probably going to send out that Strom, Milano, uh, Johansson line at least a little bit um, against that Tampa Bay second line. I still think that's a pretty good matchup. Like I know Strom and Johansson have been decent together in a pretty small sample this year. Like we're talking about three or four games worth of ice time. Um, But Sonny Milano's not like he's a much better offensive player than he is a defensive one. I don't think Milano's like a great defensive forward. Um, Dylan Strom's never been a really good defensive forward. Marcus Marcus Johansson has been um, at times in his career, but he's starting to get up there in years, even though I think he's younger than me. So it feels weird to say that, but um, he's starting to get up there a little bit. So I don't think it's necessarily that tough of a matchup for that uh, Tampa Bay second line. Tampa Bay second line has been really good this year. 2.8 2.8 expected goals, four per 60, 1.6 against in 90 minutes together, scoring 3.4 actual goals uh, per 60 minutes. So it's not that they're just generating, they're shooting as well. Um, I wrote up Steven Stamkos in the Power Plays article, uh, namely because of the Power Play matchup. As you mentioned, Washington's penalty kill, not very good. Depends what metrics you look at, but they're no better than average defensively. Uh, some of their metrics, like expected goals, Flirting with the bottom ten in the league, so um, I think this is a decent power play matchup for Tampa Bay. And as you mentioned, they moved Mikhail Sergachev to the top power play because they had been struggling earlier in the season with Victor Hedman there. Like this is being done for a reason. So um, there isn't that much data to work with with Sergachev on the top power play because Hedman, you know, typically eats all the minutes when he's in, and Hedman doesn't really miss a ton of games. So how that actually works out. We'll have to see. I just think that um, you have to give Tampa a little bit of an advantage, considering that Washington's p- penalty kill just has not looked good this year. So I do like. I wrote up Stamkos as a one-off for tournaments, but I think he can play him with along along with Nick Paul, even though Paul's not on the power play. Obviously, like Paul's been playing 18 or 9 to 19 minutes a lot lately. Um, that's probably not a guy you want to leave off a stack um, unless you're just straight power play stacking uh, Tampa Bay. So. I do like Stamkos and Paul as like a little two-man. Yeah, the Tampa top line, I think, obviously very much in play here for us. They've been excellent this year. As you mentioned, 3.2 expected goals, four per 60 minutes, 4.0 actual goals, four per 60 in 130 minutes together. So, you know, we're getting up there in a pretty uh, reasonable sample. I don't know if they're going to score four goals every 60 minutes, but I do think that they're going to continue generating quite a bit. they're going to see a fair bit of Lars Eller and Anthony Mantha now. It's kind of a bad matchup of five on five because, like, playing against Lars Eller is just like kind of like playing in, in quicksand. Like, you just can't go anywhere. It's just a slow, slow pace um, that he drags the game down to. Um, but they are all on the power play, and as we mentioned, it is a pretty good power play matchup. So,
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I think
2: because it's just a four gamer, you can full definitely full power play stack Tampa here. It is expensive, but there are cheap spots um, definitely elsewhere uh, in the uh, on the night like um, the Dallas depth, the Seattle depth. It is possible. Um, I yeah, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to those later. So um, don't mind Tampa power play stacking here. Um, like I said, I think you can, if you don't want a power play stack, I think Stan coast with Paul is a two man makes a lot of sense. Like I think you can leave Alex Kalorinoff off. Like he's just not shooting this year. And that's kind of the one thing that um, had kept his fantasy value somewhat afloat over the last few seasons. So I don't mind that on the Washington side. Speaking of bad penalty penalty kills, Tampa Bay's, man, um, they have not been very good uh, on the penalty kill this year. A lot of their number, I was, I was looking at a lot of their numbers. Their numbers are worse than Chicago's. Um, so if you try to imagine, like, Tampa Bay isn't uh, a three-time Stanley Cup finalist, two-time winner going into the season, if you can imagine that they're the Chicago Blackhawks on the penalty kill, um, that's how they have performed. So John Carlson coming back I think helps. But one thing I was looking at was Washington's power play without um, Backstrom or Oshie, because obviously Backstrom's out for a while. Oshie is still out, though he may return uh, here in the next week or two. Over 110 minutes together, 6.1 expected goals forward per 60, 7.1 actual goals for. Th- those are not very good numbers. Those are Seattle Kraken numbers. Um, we'll get to Seattle later, but not very good at all. Uh, And Marcus Johansson and Dylan Strom just aren't shooting on the power play at all. Um, I think their combined shot rate is like half of Ovechkin's. So, uh, like, uh, are you going to power play stack Washington and hope that Strom uh, and Johansson can rack up enough assists that they really smash their value? So I think with Washington here, I would, you know, obviously Kuznetsov and Ovechkin very much in play. They're coming in with a fair bit of ownership, but at relatively cheap prices is fine. And Kuznetsov is shooting more on the power play than he typically does. Like saying Stroman Johansson don't shoot is true. A lot of those shots are obviously going to Ovechkin, uh, but even uh, there are some shots that are going to Kuznetsov as well. So on the Washington side, I mean, it seems too obvious, but the top line is what I like the best here. So I do like both of the top lines, but I think there's some merit to doing like a Stamkos Paul two man. Um, If you want to get away from what could be some high ownership from Washington, what I think will be higher ownership on Tampa Bay than what we're showing right now.
1: Yeah. I I always like the Capitals power play more. If Nick Backstrom is there, doesn't matter as long as Ovechkin's there and Nick Backstrom's there, they'll find a way to score without him in the middle. You know, Strom's trying to take that role, but you got to shoot the puck in that role. Otherwise, you know, people actually cover Ovechkin and that's the problem. So, so while you know Tampa has a bad penalty kill, I think Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Carlson would probably be where I go. I know Strom and Marcus Johansson are very cheap and help you save. If you want to include them, I guess that's fine, but there's other cheap options that I prefer. Tampa, yeah. I was messing around with power play stack snipe because there is good power play stacks. You can full power play stack, right? It just gets you're going to have to use some cheap guys in there with them, but there are some that you like that I like. Anyway, there's a mispriced defenseman under the the floor that you can use that we'll get to later, but yeah, it's possible. Um, Nikita Kucherov 9k is like, normally I'd be like, that's too expensive, but he's been playing lights out. I'm glad that DK is pricing these guys appropriately. I agree with you. Stamkos Paul does make a nice little two-man there. Let's move to the blue line. Sergachev is $1,100 cheaper than Hedman on DraftKings. He is on that top power play. It's going to be Sergachev for me. Carlson is the power play guy. I'm good with that. I am kind of interested to see how the minutes get allocated now that Carlson's back. So I worry about Nick Jensen at 4200 because his minutes could take a – drastic drop here. So it's probably just going to be, you know, Sergeyev or Carlson, maybe some Chernak.
2: Yeah. There's just not a whole lot, um, that I like for defensemen, um, in this one, obviously Sergeyev does make sense. Um, price is expensive. I think Hebman obviously you can kind of let him pass. I'm still on the Fairberry train. Um, you know, especially on FanDuel where he's only 3,700, I think, um, he's perfectly acceptable. Um, I, I really wish we'd know more about Nick Jensen's minutes. I'm, I would, I'd hope that he'd still play 22 or 23 minutes, but I'm not sure. Um, and obviously his price has come up uh, quite a bit, especially on FanDuel. So where there aren't really a ton of cheap defensemen, I think the only cheap guy I really like is Farah Berry. Um But I, I, it's the PP guys. are nothing really for me.
1: Yeah, and the Capitals coach is out tonight, I think. So who knows what they're going to do with those defensemen minutes. Um, so yeah, don't forget you can find this show and all of our strategy shows for every sport. We have all the sports on the shows all the time. We're basically like a news channel on our sarcastic podcast channels, main channel with all of our content, or each sport has an individual sports channel. If you just like the one leave a five-star review, if you don't mind, help us keep those shows free. If you love these shows, please go give us a review. Helps us out a lot. Helps us be here give it, giving this information to you for free means a lot. So, like, subscribe, five star review, whole nine yards. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game of the night. We have, I just, have to on.
2: I just saw on Twitter they announced that there's going to be no World Cup of Hockey in 2024, which means we're going to go from 2016 till who knows when without a best on best tournament featuring NHL players. Cause remember they didn't go to the Olympics in 2018. They um, obviously didn't have the world cup again in 2020 for uh, pandemic reasons. And then they all backed out of the Olympics in 2022. So, I mean, they're hoping, they said they hope for one in February, 2025, but we honestly, we honestly might go a decade without a best on best tournament featuring NHL players. It feels this is unfathomable to me. I like, as a Canadian, I'm pretty mad I'll ne- never be able to see Crosby and McDavid on, on the same team playing internationally. That's pretty stupid.
1: You know, Crosby might still be there. Get another case of the mumps he can play until he's 53 or something. I mean, if they go to the
2: Olympics in 2026, Crosby's going to be, what, 39 then? I mean, yeah. maybe he's still... I mean, maybe he'll be on the fourth line or something yeah, like it'll that. Yeah, that'd be
1: like a mercy ad. <laughs> Yeah, but, right. yeah, no, I I love international competition with NHL players. It's a lot of fun. It's not the World Cup of soccer by any means, but it is it is awesome. It is kind of sad. Ovechkin will probably still be playing.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, well, he'll he's going. He's gunning for the goals record. He's not retiring uh, until he breaks. He's that. going,
1: Yarmir Yager. <laughs> anyway, next game of the night we have the San Jose Sharks with a two point five total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a three point five. James Reimer. Confirmed Jake Oninger. probable he was on the starter's crease this morning. So he's looking to be back from injury. Dallas top line, highest owned line of the night. Their power plays have been, been ridiculous. San Jose Sharks penalty kill has been very, very good. Pretty good five on five matchup here for both of these top lines. But like Dallas's top line is so good on both ends of the ice that I think like. I wish Dallas top line wasn't thirty percent, but I think I'll let you talk about the second line. I think there's stuff to like there.
2: Yeah, there. I think there's stuff to like pretty much up and down the San Jose or um, the Dallas roster. Like, I'll just, I'll all I'll say right now is be kind of wary um, about small sample with those San Jose top line numbers. Um, if you look at their last four games, um, Anaheim twice plus St. Louis in those games, like it, those are teams you absolutely should be um, kind of running over. So, you know, sorry to the St. Louis Blues fans, but, you know, no, they was Grays, they're horrible. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, I'm not sure if if it's necessary, necessarily like that's a great top line or. It's a decent, it's a good top line that was just playing really bad teams. Um, I think that might kind of be more the case here. And I have way, way more faith in the Dallas top line than I do in the San Jose top line. I mean that Dallas won this year, 3.9 expected goals for uh, per 60 minutes, only 1.8 expected goals against like, those are several deviates uh, standard deviations above and plo- uh above and below the league average respectively. Scoring a ton, 6.3 actual goals for 60 minutes. I'll say they are shooting 16.7%. And that's pretty high for a line to shoot at five on five. Like in a single season, you might see some of the more heavily used elite top lines be at like 14%. I think, you know, Toronto One was around that last year, 14 to 15%, if memory serves correctly. So just beware that their five on five scoring might come down a little bit. And that's a problem for a line where. Um, every player, so in four games in the month of November is skating under 17 minutes a game. Like that is a serious concern because then when you're not, when you're skating that those few minutes, you are incredibly reliant on percentages, um, to go your way. Now they have been a pretty efficient line for a couple of years now. So I, I wouldn't, you know, bank on them just completely cratering. Just, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit of pullback, um, Jason Robertson has just been on an absolute tear. And part of it is, is his shooting, um, his, uh, shot attempts per 60 minutes up 22% from last year. That is a big, big increase. Um, he genuinely looks like a hard trophy contender. Um, he'll never get, I don't think he'll ever get that credit because a, he's a, he's not a center and B, um, you know, he plays in a Southern market and there's just a ton of Northeast and Canadian media that, that dominate the hockey media. But, um, Robertson's like he's he's pushing his way into like top, you know, seven or eight players in the league status I think anyways. Um so they do form a pretty formidable line and I don't think San Jose 1 is necessarily a brutal matchup for them. You know, they're just coming in with a ton of ownership. Um we have uh the Dallas top line coming in at just over 30% on DraftKings which uh is leading the slate uh here tonight. A lot less on FanDuel where they are very expensive. Uh, on FanDuel, they are nearly 25K, which is a pretty big hit. But uh, again, there are a lot of lower priced options that you can use elsewhere on the slate uh, to get those guys in. And you don't even have to use them all. Um, with Jamie Benn on the top power play unit, um, you can take one out and use a cheaper ben, um, you know, Not only to dilute the ownership a little bit, um, but to make the line a little bit cheaper. So that's always an option. Um, you're right about the San Jose penalty kill. I just wonder how much is driven by goalies because they have a 933 save percentage on the penalty kill so far this year. Unsustainable. But, yeah. Finishing at 900 would be a great season. Um, 933 is just completely unsustainable. So, you know, Dallas is an elite power play. Their top power play unit has just been absolute um, nails so far this year um, with Jamie Ben there over 13 and a half expected goals per 60 minutes the top power play unit is generating over a hundred shots per 60 minutes to put that into context there's only one team in the league this so far this year that's over 70 as a whole on the power play like five on four they are just generating at will uh, against every opponent so it'll be a good test for san jose here tonight but i do not mind dallas one it's just there is a ton of ownership so you're gonna have to get pretty funky and creative Uh, with your builds. Um, Dallas, too, is going to have a new third wheel there. They've had a ton of third wheels alongside Mason Marchman and Tyler Sagan. I'm probably going to butcher his name, but it's Mate uh, Blumel. Uh, It got called up from uh, the AHL. He's going to be on the second line uh, with Sagan and Marchman. Um, He's definitely not a household name, but I did write him up in the PICS article article Again, uh, free to read for everyone over on stochastic.com. Um, he was a fourth round pick from 2019. Um, didn't sign with the Oilers. <laughs> seems
1: like... <The> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like,
2: I don't know. It just seems like every couple years, there's this like really good uh, guy that turns out to be a really good hockey player that doesn't want to sign with either the Oilers or the Flames. I guess...
1: Rangers have a bunch. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um... So tough scene there for the Oilers. But, uh, and then he went and signed with Dallas. Um, he's played just nine professional games uh, in North America. He was playing in the Czech Republic, I believe. Um, you know, he's still young. I think he's only 21. So um, definitely time to grow. But uh, really good in the AHL this year. 11 points in nine games with 3.6 shots per game. Um, sometimes point production can kind of fool you in the AHL. So one thing I do look for as a shortcut is shot volume. Um, you know, if you're if you're producing well, but two shots per game, I'm like, eh. But if you're producing well and you have three and a half shots per game, I'm like, yeah. Um, so pretty good start for him. And I was looking through some of the training camp reports.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan. But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
2: And it seemed like both the Dallas media and um, the coaching staff uh, from the stars kind of agreed that um, if the stars weren't so deep up front, that Blumel probably would have made um, the lineup uh, right out of the gate. But the problem is, you you know, you have um, you have Robertson and Pavelski and you have Marchment, um and Jamie Benn, who were, you know, the veterans that were going to get, you know, top four ish slotting. Um, you have Ty DeLandria, who, you know, showed well enough last year and obviously had a pretty good training camp himself. And then you got veterans with Radic Faxon and Joel Kivaranta. Not that Kivaranta is a veteran, but he's been there for a few years now there just wasn't room for him on the wing to start the season. But with Gurianoff hurt now, um, he's jumped up to the second line. I uh, don't mind him as a one-off um, here tonight. I think he can use him kind of in like a a, a two-man stack if you want with Marchman and Blue or whatever, because he is um, super cheap. Um, he's going to come in far lower owned than Marchman and Sagan as well. That's just kind of the nature of third wheelers. I mean, I think the other night, Ryan Lomberg, uh, third wheel on that Lundell Reinhardt line for, for Florida was only like two or three percent owned. Like, I it wouldn't be surprised, minute, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Blue Mel comes in that range as, uh, as well. Um, and then they're going to be going into that second line, uh, from San Jose. Uh, they haven't been that good this year. Uh, two points set, you know, good offensively, not good defensively, 2.7 expected goals against, uh, per 60 minutes, uh, in their sample uh, so far this year. So I think that second line is in a good matchup, but it's honestly, it's kind of the third line that is a little bit of interest to me here from Dallas, you know, outside the top line, obviously just looking at the depth, um, Ben Johnston and DeLandria 70 minutes together, 3.4 expected goals generated for 60 minutes, 5.4 actual goals. Um, DeLandria hasn't been there all season, but they've been good with or without him. Um, He's just kind of stabilized things a little bit. Um, Jamie Ben has 37 shot attempts in his last seven games, uh, over five per game over those seven games. He had just 15 in his first six, um, two and a half. So he's more than doubled his shot attempt rate. Over the last seven games, part of that obviously jumping to the top power play unit. Part of it, I think, is just this line really starting to play well. So, I think if you're looking for, you know, again, don't mind a two man embarrassment and Blue Mel or something like that, or Blue Mel just a one off by himself um, because he's 2500. But if I'm looking, really looking for a two man stack from the depth here, um, you know, Ben and Delandria, Ben and Johnston, um, something like that, going up against a really bad third line um, from the Sharks. Now they've used a bunch of different combinations down there. Um, hasn't mattered the combination. Um, they've been just been bad defensively. So I think that Dallas third line, um, we're, you know, we're not really showing that much ownership for them right now. 3% for Jamie Benn cause he's on the power play, but you know, to under 2%, under 1% for the other guys. So I kind of like that Dallas third line as one of those depth, Lines that you can kind of two man duo stack that helps you get up to the Tampa Bays and the Pittsburghs and the Torontos and all that. Um, I don't know what I really want to play on the Sharks side. Um, If anything, it would it would just be power play guys, right? Because Dallas does take a ton of penalties. Um, But the problem is the Sharks don't really uh, draw or draw many power play opportunities. So maybe they don't get a lot here, especially when they're on back-to-back and, and on the road. So if anything, it would be the power play guys. But honestly, like Tomash Hurdle really isn't shooting. Um, Logan Couture is definitely not shooting. Um, Alex Banoff is not a guy I want to rely on to score goals. Like it just, you know, especially with Jake Ottinger back, um, you know, the ownership's not even really that low for the Sharks guys either, right? Um, just looking at the top line, Uh, 12% um, the second line coming in, obviously much lower own, but you know, with two of the three guys on the power play, I think you can two man stack them. I'm kind of like you would the Dallas third line, but I really like the Dallas top line in their matchup tonight. But if I kind of like a two man duo stack from that Dallas third line to allow me to pay up for the more expensive options elsewhere.
1: Yeah. And just to add on to that third line, Wyatt Johnston, which is a ridiculous name, by the way, he's not just some guy. He is a first-round pick in last year's draft. He's 19 years old. They had the option to send him down after he played nine games. They were willing to burn a year on his entry-level contract to keep him up here. That's how highly the stars think of him. So he's just not some guy. He's a he's going to be a developing guy. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top six, as a top six center in the very near future. Uh, I kind of agree on the Sharks' side, like, 14, like Timo Meyer, just shooting the lights out. Like, but do you want to play 7500 for Timo Meyer when you can get Jason Robertson cheaper in a better matchup? Like, probably not.
2: I mean, Ovechkin has basically the same ownership and pretty, you know, a little bit more expensive than Meyer. But like, I think I would rather just play Ovechkin here tonight. Yeah, especially where the ownership similar.
1: Yeah, so let's move to the blue line. There is someone on the Sharks blue line. uh, that I I want just because like if you're trying to power play stack DK made a pricing error, Matt Benning, 2300 under the, the min salary for here. I will say he's been getting like 17 and 19 minutes. Is he doing much with it? Not really, but like 2300, if it lets you fit in something and he gets like two blocks on a shot, I'll take four, I'll sign on the dot line for four DK points for 2300 right now. So he's fine. Like Eric Carlson, 8,100, like he's, He's the guy, if he burns me tonight, he burns me. I'm not playing him. He's too expensive. He sh- his shooting percentage is too high. I'd rather play you know, Carlson or some of the other expensive defensemen. Miro in for me on the Dallas side as a one-off. Or, you know, probably about it. I mean, I might go back to the Mario
2: Ferraro well um he was fine last night I think he put up like nine DK points or something like that he was just one block away from the block bonus um you know played 21 plus minutes last night I think uh, Ferraro was probably one of my favorite sub 3k defensemen uh, on the slate here tonight on the Dallas side like if I'm not using Hayskinen with the power play guys I think Esselindel. he projects pretty well by stochastic projections and um the other guys are just coming in with too much ownership. Like I'm not playing 8% Ryan Suter. I'll let everybody else play him.
1: If I have room to spend up in goalie, Jake Ottinger, if he is indeed confirmed is probably my favorite goalie play of the night. James Reimer, I guess you can take some stabs on just because Dallas shoots a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Rimer's fine, but Jake Ottinger, um, even though he's just returning from injury, I think he's probably like he he's at the top in our projections. And I think he's the best player on the slate.
1: Let's move on to the last game of the night. We have the Minnesota Wild with a 3.2 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 3.2 total. Mark Andre Fleury probable. Party Marty, Senor Fiesta. Martin Jones confirmed, who's actually been really good the past four or five games, and I actually do like him tonight. As I'm getting a migraine, saying that. <laughs> the top line is now fully correlated on the power play unit. I say the power play unit, because you don't really know which one it is. The second line is fully correlated on the other power play unit. So Yorkshire and Wenberg, Burkowski, fully correlated Jaden Schwartz, Maddie Beniers, Jordan Eberly, fully correlated third line, super cheap McCann, Gore, Tana, all these lines on Seattle are getting about 8% ownership here. Uh, both of the top six lines for Minnesota are getting double digits. Seattle, we've talked about it, or you've talked about it a lot this season. They've been pretty good defensively. Their problems have been in net. Marty Jones has kind of turned it around a little bit. How much interest do you have in the wild tonight?
2: So I'll say this. Um, we just got lines while we were on the show uh, for Minnesota, and they said Marcus Felino is coming back for the Wild. so now I look at the top six for the Wild. you know, Gojo between Kaprazov and Zuccarello, Eriksson Ek between Boldy and Felino, those look like two pretty good lines to me, um, certainly pretty good defensive lines at the very least, um, especially with Gojo between uh, Zuccarello and Kaprazov, so if I were to do anything, I would want to go after the Seattle line um, that is going to be going up against the Wild depth, um, and they've been they had been using the Yanny Gord line with Brandon Tanev against top comp earlier in the season. Um, they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Um, and they're using them more against third lines of late and the Minnesota third line, like there's just nothing to speak of there. Like, um, Rossi, uh, and Dewar just, you know, they've been okay, but a little bit below average and below average against this Gord Tanev line. Like, believe it or not, um, that Gord Tanev line, uh, Generating 2.6 expected goals per 60 minutes together, 1.0 expected goals against. They're just throttling um, the opposing competition. Um, whether uh, Jared McCann comes back tonight or not for Seattle um, could be make a little bit of a difference here. But I like Gordon McCann here um, in the uh, in the depth. This is another one of those depth spots um, that I like uh, from Seattle, or you know, to get up to the more expensive spots. Now they are going to be pretty widely owned, which is a bit of a problem, but the ownership is spread out all across the three lines for Seattle here. So I do like Gordon McCann. If you're asking me which line I would want a full, like complete three-man stack, it would be Beneers, um, Schwartz, and Everly. Um, Schwartz has been shooting a little bit less, but those shots have been starting to go more to Jordan Everly. So I think you can leave Schwartz off if you're going to leave off any guy. Um, but Baneers and Eberly and Schwartz have been good this year. 2.4 expected goals for only 2.1 against Baneers is leading forwards in ice time in the month of November. Um, The Minnesota penalty kill has been fine, um, but not great. Um, And Seattle has a great penalty kill. Um, um, Like a really, really good penalty can, can hold up. So, I know the Minnesota top line not coming in with really with a ton of ownership, about 15%. They've got good leverage. Um, but if you're asking me which of the super expensive lines I'd rather play tonight between Minnesota and Tampa Bay, um, I would probably rather play Tampa one here tonight. So Gord and McCann don't mind. I think if I'm full line stacking, uh, it'd be the Schwartz, Everly um, and Baneers line on the Minnesota side. Uh, real quick. I do like, um, Erickson Eck, uh, Boldy, and Felino, That does look like uh, a nice trio to me. Uh, I do think that uh, Gojo and off and Zuccarello going up against the Wenberg line is a pretty good matchup for that Minnesota one. So um, if anything on the Minnesota side, it would be just right to the top line. Um, but it is, like I said, it is the Beneers line that I, I think I like the most is the three-man stack in this game.
1: Yeah, and that's Leafs legend Jared McCann, by the way. <laughs> I love reminding Leaf fans that they traded for McCann so they could protect Alex Kerfoot. Anyway, moving to the blue line, I do like Vinnie Dunn tonight, 4K. I think that's a fine price. Um, Jonas Brodeen, Jared Spurgeon, Kalen Addison, Matt Dumba, Jacob Middleton. Pick your guy. I think Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba are probably the three that I would choose. Kael Flurry back in the lineup. Um You got to pick the right min price Seattle defenseman. I went to Susie the other night, and Will Borgen went off the deep end, but probably just done for me.
2: Um, Yeah, I'll throw in Matt Dumba as well. Um, He's starting to shoot a little bit more after a slow start to the season, so if he's he's starting to look more like the guy he was last year when he was on pace for double-digit goals, I don't mind Matt Dumba on either side here tonight.
1: Goalies... I like Marty Jones. It just it hurts, but yeah, I think I prefer Marty Jones in this game.
2: Yeah, um, I kind of agree with that. I'm not uh, really high on Flurry tonight, and our projections are really low on Flurry tonight. He's actually projecting for less than Marty Jones uh, in raw DK points. So,
1: yeah, I agree with you. Gonna have the sombrero on next week if I get a win from Marty Jones tonight. Highlight uh, – I'm, I'm just going nuts here. Coming up right after us, the No House Advantage NFL show at 3 o'clock with Aten and Jeff. Then right after that, the No House Advantage NBA show at 3.30 with EMAC and Gundower. Who are you thinking is your uh, hap- hatcher pick tonight? Well, I was going to go somebody
2: from that late game, but uh, that kind of seems a little bit foolish. I'm going to go uh, – the guy I wrote up in my, my picks article, a uh, little bit of chalk, but um, Stephen Stampos.
1: All right. All right. going to ruffle some feathers here, but I'm going Mitch Marner.
2: Oh, boy. That would be something of 5,500 500- – uh, Mitch Marner trick here tonight. Uh, hopefully he does it for you. We'll
1: see what happens. Yep. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But for uh, Slim Cliffy, I'm your host, Josh Harris. We'll be back tomorrow bright and early uh, for the Saturday morning NHL strategy show. So we'll see you in Discord. Don't forget GM. Good luck, everybody.
2: Good luck, everyone.
0: no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details did you miss your deadline to renew your medicaid coverage you can still send your completed annual review form to healthy connections medicaid you may be assigned to another health plan but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed medicaid eligibility it's your family it's your choice first choice is the right choice renew and choose us Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.